Hello, bonsoir, and welcome to the Get French Football News Show. I'm your host, Nathan Staples, and joining me this week are Eric Devin and Philip Bargeon. With new arrivals coming each week, Ligue 1 is slowly becoming the winter destination for European footballers. First Julian Draxler, now Memphis Depay, maybe Dimitri Payet as soon as well? But we'll have more on that and the action from the weekend after this week's headlines. Ligue 1's 21st match day was always said to have a feisty start with Bastia hosting Nice in the Mediterranean derby. But few could have imagined how fiery the encounter would be with the result a 1-1 draw being overshadowed by racist chants from the crowd and a shouting match in the tunnel between Mario Balotelli and Bastia manager Francois Ciccolini. On Saturday, PSG seized the opportunity presented by Nice Strop's points to pull it within a point of the Urshua leaders, recording a 2-0 win at Nantes through Edison Cavani's brace. The multiplex was rather devoid of goals on Saturday afternoon, a, punctuated by a scoreless draw between visiting Lille and Dijon. Bordeaux hosted Toulouse in one of several rivalries and continued what has now become a five-match unbeaten run with a 1-0 win in the Derby de la Garonne. And the Celtico, as Gangomp termed Rennes' visit to the Stade Rudiru, Johan Gorkouf's equaliser allowed the visitors to pinch a point in a one-all draw, despite being reduced to 10 men after Sajin Purchase's second booking just before the interval. At Mets, new signing Sheikh Diabate wasted no time improving his quality, Legrena moving up a place in the table courtesy of his brace in a 2-0 win over Montpellier. On Sunday, Monaco recorded an unsurprisingly comprehensive win over Lorient, 4-0, as Valère Germain and Gabriel Bochillier each notched a brace. Sunday's early evening match, though, wasn't without controversy, as Angers were once again pegged back by an own goal after taking the lead, only to lose 2-1 on Loic Perrin's winner, which deflected off the Saint-Étienne captain's wrist before going in. In the weekend's Grand Show, an Alexandra Lacazette-powered double Leon, powered Leon <laughs> passed visiting Marseille 3-1, keeping the hosts barely within touching distance of the podium. In Ligue 2, none of the chasing pack of Lens, Reims, Sochaux and Amiens were able to record a win, meaning that Brest can move six points clear with a win at home to Red Star this evening. And finally, in transfer news, the Dimitri Payet saga is coming to an end. Contrary to reports from earlier today with Sky Sports that a deal is dead, RMC have reported this afternoon that a fourth and final bid from Marseille of €30 million Euros is expected to be made, meeting West Ham United's revised valuation. According to a source that contacted by Get French Football News, he said it is difficult to see in, the, in what scenario Dimitri Payet does not end up wearing a Marseille shirt again this ne within the next month. The player has yet to finalise contractual details with OM, but has given his agreement to join the club. And as soon as a deal is reached between the Hammers and Marseille, Payet will quickly agree personal terms for a 4.5-year contract. West Ham have revised their valuation of the player twice this month, initially asking for €40 million, Euros, then €34 million, Euros, and now €30 million Euros in order to part with the player. Payet to Marseille, a dream for the player, is closing on, on becoming a reality. And that's all for the news. But remember, for all the latest, head on over to our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com and follow us on Twitter at GFFN. We start this week with the feisty encounter between Lyon and Marseille. The hosts came out on top in a 3-1 victory. But Philip, did Lyon have this all their way throughout this encounter? Um, not for the first 15 minutes. There was a lot of promise for this game. You had uh, last week Marseille versus uh, Monaco, where the sides were quite unequal. And there you had uh, the uh, derby of the Olympique. There's been a new, um, a new kind of phrase uh, uh, taken upon by the French media, they're saying it was the Olympico, which uh, you know people have started to uh, have started to use. Um, and um, basically, this was about two sides that were pretty much equal, um, or should or should have been should have been equal on paper, and they just it just lasted only 15, 15 minutes. Marseille were started the game very well. Down the flanks, they were 
extremely dangerous. You had Sakai on the on the right. You had Sanso on the left. Sanso had a good start to the game, but then he just uh, kind of disappeared, and um, there was no Marseille pressure. And Lyon, yeah, the the pressure was um, was a, a bit better from Lyon as as the half grew in. And uh, Pulley did have uh, some saves to make, like as it hit the uh, hit the sign netting, and then uh, then Lyon scored uh, scored their opening goal. They scored their second and third via Marseille gifting them the goals basically, but um, Marseille got back into the game thanks to uh, thanks to a set piece, and I must say most of the set pieces weren't uh, that well that well defended, and uh, it made it made for um, some um, very very nervous. Or nervy, sorry, situations in the, both penalty boxes. Um, but in the end, Lyon came out on top. But you just feel that uh, Han Marseille played the same way that they uh, that they did in the first 15 minutes. It could have been uh, a better encounter because um, it was all about uh, Lyon taking, um, having a lot of the ball. Uh, making life difficult for for Marseille. But you know, I'm sorry, with players like uh, Tourvin Gomis Sanson on the pitch, I mean. As Marseille fans would uh, would have hoped for a better performance, and you know with good reason. So it's a bit it's a bit disappointing how this um, how this panned out. But an, a massive win for Lyon. I mean, had they lost that, they would have been just a point above um, above Marseille and uh, whopping eleven points behind PSG. Now then, thirty seven. Nice are starting to lose a couple of points. The aim of um, challenging for at least uh, a third a third spot is still very much alive, and uh, they're keeping this uh, this decent home form. So it's not um, it's not a bad uh, bad bad uh, evening at all for for you. Eric, what was your thoughts on the game? I mean, Leon really dominated the second half, in all honesty, and Marseille really struggled to put anything really together in an attacking sense as well. Well, yeah, I think. When the match started, we saw Marseille playing with a lot of energy. Zambo and Guisa was playing in a deeper role. He was all over the place, uh, tackling, tackling and allowing the fullbacks to get forward by helping out the defenders. You know, Fani and Rolando had a decent match. Well, Rolando's uh, mistake there in Lacazette's second, I think, perhaps not so much. But in general, I think Marseille played all right. They, had, they were really harrying Leon's back line. Uh, it should be noted that. Mamana and Yanga and Biwa had never played together before. Mamana was just coming back from a two-month injury spell. Uh, so Marseille started the match much as they had against Monaco uh, in the right way. They were pressing. They were playing aggressively. Uh, Sanson in particular is getting forward. But you know, as the match started to uh, wear on, the intensity dropped and dropped and dropped. And soon you soon you only had token pressure from uh, Gomis uh, at, at the top. And... That back line, uh, particularly Yanga and Biwa and, and Mamana, were able to get forward with the ball at their feet. They were able to play long passes, so too for, for Gonolong, so too for Toliso. Uh, and that just gave Leon an increasingly shortened pitch to play with. And it was that much easier for, for, their, for their front four to create opportunities. Uh, and I, I think that was that. It, it was really just a matter of lather, rinse, repeat for Marseille. They started the match playing very well, playing very aggressively, much as they had against Monaco. But they simply couldn't keep up that intensity. And I don't know whether that's down to fitness, that's down to the maturity of the players. Again, this is a very young team, uh, especially in especially that midfield. But it's it's something that Garcia needs to work on, and it just really serves to underscore how far away Marseille are from challenging for the, for that top that top three, top four in France. Because, you know, after that, that run they'd had in December, people were really starting to tout, the, tout them and say, you know, could this team be perhaps arriving ahead of schedule, if you will, in terms of Frank McCord's plan? But I think now we see that we see just how far they are. I mean, and let's face it, you know, Leon are, are in fourth place, but that cadre of teams above them is another rung up the ladder, as it were. And I don't think that um, Marseille at this point in time, you know, are a team that perhaps some had expected when they had that that could run a form before uh, the winter break. Philip, what did you think to um, Morgan Sanson and his debut, obviously signing from Montpellier during the week? He ha- had a good start, but you mentioned as well, he, he sort of faded into obscurity, didn't he? And, and sort of almost lost sight of the game in, in a sense. 
Yeah, just to come back from a uh, just a point for Marseille, uh, they did play against Monaco and Lyon these first two games. It's not the easiest opponents that um, they'll ever get. I'm, I'm just going to look at their fixture list. They've got uh, Montpellier at home um, this uh, at the end of this week, which uh, is a winnable game at the Vélodrome. They have uh, quite a good record. Then away to Metz, home to Guingamp, away to Nantes, home to Rennes before the um, the Classico, which will be um, end of uh, end of February. So. I think I think we'll see what uh, Sanson will bring to the um, to the squad then, and maybe if they can get Pai, I, I honestly don't uh, don't don't think so. Um, if if um, Garcia can bring bring something together, but I, I really I still believe that uh, they were beaten by better sides on both occasions, so last weekend and last night, and that's when they're probably. They could be categorized as best of the rest because they do have Gomez who can who can uh, score goals. They they do now have um, a backline that is able to be quite uh, dangerous on opposing um, opposite set set pieces. Um, it's it's looking it's not looking all that all that bleak. And I think it only needs Hansel does won't be needing a lot of times a lot of time sorry i don't think to uh to gel with with all those players with tovan with cabela with uh, maxim lopez with uh well zamboy uh, uh, didn't didn't go very well last night but you know it's uh, it's it's not going to be i don't think it's going to take too long and uh we'll see what what happens at home to Montpellier this um this week but it i mean it doesn't Sure, the results aren't very good to defeats in a row, but it's against uh, good sides and moreover against better sides than them. Yeah, and it's a, it's a, it was clearly going to be the measuring stick of how far they mm. come in these two games. And because a lot of experts have said, well, basically it's the only time Marseille have have done anything against a good side, uh, i.e., the top four, was at the PSG where they played a cut in that show, played eleven men behind the ball and got the point. Uh, and they got that by not playing football, but they did. They did get the point. So when they do play football, they eventually lose. <laughs> the catch twenty-two of, of a developing mm. team, isn't it? Um, Eric, let's talk about the defensive issues at Marseille, especially. And, and both sides, I suppose, had different views. Obviously, Leon playing maybe a makeshift back line with Mamana and uh, Yangumbi was the centre backs. What, what did you think to the two defences in this one? And I mean, oh, um, occasionally didn't look particularly good. In, in all honesty, did they? No, I, I think a lot of this is down to organization. As Philip rightly says, I think that Marseille need to have a recalibration of the way they approach matches. I think that against a team like Lyon on the road, Marseille, Marseille need to swallow their pride and, and play with more caution. We saw this against Monaco last week. They tried to play this 4-3-3 and be aggressive and be attacking, and it just didn't come off. Uh, a more cautious approach, maybe even playing three at the back, I, I think would allow Marseille to have greater solidity and to to get better results rather than being blown apart. But I think that the pressure on this club from their fans, from their the weight of their history, if you will, is is a pretty oppressive right now. And I think that Garcia, you know, who's also has a history as, as an attack-minded manager, uh, feels pressure to play in a certain way. Whereas that's perhaps less than ideal. I, I do think that getting fifth place is a very realistic goal for Marseille. Mm. Uh, be, being able to, and that would be a nice bridge in terms of being able to offer European fo- football to players in the summer. I mean, let's face it, you know, the Europa League's a decent competition. Uh, you know, whether it's the ideal for Marseille in an ultimate sense, I, I don't think it is, but I think that being able to offer that to players would be a good thing and that, that he should focus on winning the winnable matches, you know, whether it's something like, I don't know, Dijon at home or or something like that, or away to Angers. Winning matches that are, are winnable and playing this this forward-thinking 4-3-3 in those matches. But if you've got PSG on the road, if you've got Lyon on the road, teams that are clearly, if not streets ahead of, of Marseille at this point in time, certainly uh, in better shape, then you have to be a little bit more humble and, and play in a more defensively oriented way. As for Lyon's defense, I, I think we've we see... Uh, it's it's a little bit of a of an issue here. I, I think that injuries have certainly been problematic. We've had Mamana just coming back. Uh, Jale was injured for much of the, the early season and still hasn't had much playing time. And we've we've seen Diakabi now be injured. We don't know for how long he is injured at this point, but he's certainly uh, been missed. 
and Nicolas Nkulu is who's away at the African Cup of Nations at, at, at present, but is, has also been woefully out of form. Uh, it's just a matter of resolve. I personally think that once Diakabi's fit again, Leon's best look would be something along the lines of Jale, Mamana, Diakabi, and Morel. Uh, as, as a more defensively oriented back four rather than the rampaging style of, of Raphael, for example. Uh, and that solidity will allow Leon to have, you know, a greater greater propensity to attack and a greater freedom in attack uh, with the front six. So I think both managers are, you know, getting in a little bit wrong in that regard. You know, Jale in particular, I, I know Leon have had to deal with injuries and uh, the clip off, off of which Nikolai Nkulu has dropped is been somewhat unexpected as well. But it's, I think it's really a matter of both managers perhaps being not as cognizant of where their teams actually are as they, as they necessarily should be. I mean, we've seen how, how a good defense and an opportunistic attack can be, frankly, lethal. I mean, particularly in the case of Nice this season, they've, they've done what they've done not because they've had a brilliant attack, not because of Mario Balotelli, but because of, they've had the league's best defense for much of the year. And if Leon and Marseille can refocus their priorities on that and use the talent of their forward players uh, to build off of that, then I think they could be uh, in the top three or certainly closer to it, uh, despite, the, despite the good form of the likes of Monaco PSG uh, in, in the recent month or so. Because uh, uh, piping Nice for third is is a possibility. I do I do believe because the home form is uh, is not that bad. They've got the game in hand. I wish uh, the LFP would get on and um, choose a choose a date to to play uh, to replay this a game at Mets. Um, and uh, Nice and I, I, I don't know. They they seem to uh, on paper it seems that they've got more of a. Um, more leisure to uh, focus on the league now that the Europa League is gone. But you know it just uh, it. It's not the it's not the best start of the year. They they drew they drew at home to home to Mets who were who were bottom bottom at the time. They drew again this weekend, and you know I, I don't know. I think it is possible. It is possible. And they they always seem to have these. Uh, um, well, actually, they lately seem to have these uh, great great second half of the season. Going back uh, on on Marseille, you talked about fifth, Eric. I mean, is there anyone? Uh, any real competition aside from Saint-Étienne? I mean, do we uh, do we honestly believe that Gangon Rennes will say, okay, we have to finish fifth because we want the Europa League, uh, when we all know it's not true? I I, I do think that Gangon is it looks the best, mm. uh, and they've got they've got Nice at the weekend. That's a huge match. Yeah. Uh, if, if they can record a win there, which I certainly I don't know if I'd favor them to do it, but I think that they're certainly in a good place to do that. Then I would look at. Then I would look at Ganga being probably prohibitive favorites for that. Mm. Um, Ren, I think that the sale of Entep and the lack of a, a decent striker, which they don't really seem to be doing anything to address in the window, no. uh, is there's not enough in attack for Ren. I think the same thing with Saint Etienne. The reasons we talked about on the preview show on Thursday with Nathan and Adam. I don't think Saint Etienne are are are, are in for fifth. I I think that. Right now, if I had to wager money on the way that the table would finish, Monaco, PSG, Leon, Nice, Gangump, in that order. Mm. Uh, that's not Leon homerism. I, I think that Nice have really dropped off. They've got Gangump this weekend, Monaco next. That's, that's an opportunity for Leon to put up perhaps six points on them, and they'd be you know, just about nipping at their heels at that point then. So who knows what can happen. Maybe a case of Nice having Pete too soon. Mm, it could be. Well, I mean, I think it's injuries and Afcon absence yeah. is what it is. It's yeah. not a matter of, of form. Well, that won't that won't last. So let's not go last. I mean, the uh, uh, the Afcon is a couple uh, what a week, maybe two weeks from uh, from ending. The finals so, the fourth. Finals the fourth. Yeah. So we'll be back in mid February. Should be. Yeah. Should be. Should be. Should be okay, but uh, I don't know. They seem to to lack the the ideas. Mm. Something something to something to address. But yeah, there's a big question: is do Gengar? I do agree that Gengar are, are a great side, and uh, that uh, they seem to be uh, actually. Uh, f first of all, they're, they're they're great. They're great to watch, but also seem to seem to, seem to not, not have any any pressure, which I think holds into their hand. But the big question is: do they won Europe? That's a big question. But because we all we all we all love them because because of what happened last time we went in the Europa League they went very very far in the Europa League they went uh, play against Kiev which was uh, which was great. 
let's quickly talk about the another big transfer this week. And I wanted to get your thoughts on it, Philip, because we've seen Eric mention it a few times, and that's Memphis Depay's transfer to Leon. Yeah. What do you think of the move? Um, I think it's um, I think it's a good move for uh, for everyone. We talked about it last week. Um, I think he needs he needs to he needed to get out of Old Trafford. He needed the game time. I think it's a good league for him. Uh, he's a, quite a tricky quite a tricky player, and uh, he'll he'll struggle at first because um, Liga have uh, very solid defenses. Um, didn't play too badly when he came on last night, and yeah, a good move, uh, a good move for Lyon, a good move for Depay, and I think a good move for Manchester United as well. Because uh, he wasn't playing under Mourinho, and uh, yeah, everything, uh, everyone is happy. I would think. Yeah, and and just to clear something up about the, the reports about buyback fees and bits like that, and Eric, you can fix, you can correct me if I'm wrong. It's not a that you can't have a buyout clause in a contract in France. So it is a it's a first offer essentially. So if if a club comes in for. Um, that Memphis, Manchester United have a first option on the player, and I bel- and from what I've read, it's a thirty-five million euro offer to trigger it. If am I right? I've not seen anything to the contrary, so I, I would I would think yes. Yeah, I think that's the right thing. That's how they've got around the you can't have a buyout clause in a contract kind of thing. So there is something kind of in place. Um, I did want to mention as well a player that both clubs ironically have been linked with now, and that's Patrice Evra, uh, Eric. Um, Jeremy Morales had a decent season and played well at the weekend, but they need a little bit of extra cover there. Oh, that's a great move. I mean, I think that... Everett doesn't seem to think that his international career is over, uh, and I, I think that he would love to use the motivation uh, that Leon has, particularly with a, a congested fixture list with the Europa League and the Coupe de France, provided they beat Marseille continuing. Uh, I think he'd love to have that opportunity. He has been, he's been great. Uh, I've seen him play for Juventus three times uh, this season. He's looked you know, as capable as ever. I, I, think he's, I think he doesn't feel that between Kurzawa's injury and Dean's lack of playing time Barcelona, that the left-back slot with the national team is necessarily not on the cards for 2018. And he's, I think a, a year-and-a-half deal, for example, uh, would be ideal to allow him to extend his career and potentially you know, retire as a, as a World Cup-winning left-back. Uh, given France's potential uh, looking towards Russia 2018, I think it'd be a fantastic move. He's still got it on the pitch. He's got you know, all the experience you could want. Uh, and I think he would give this team, you know, a, a bit of leadership at the back, which they seem to be lacking. Maxime Gonalon is a, a wonderful captain, but in that back line, I don't know that we can necessarily look at any of these players, particularly with Jale off the pitch, as being someone who's an experienced player who can be counted upon as a leader. Uh, I know Morel has a bit, quite a bit of experience, but he doesn't seem to strike me as that sort of player who's uh, going to be barking instructions at players and, and being a, a dem- demonstrative leader on the pitch. Um, so I think it'd be a, a great deal uh, if, if Juventus don't feel that they need him. Uh, has been, um, there has been a, an interview last night where the press were waiting on Bruno Genesio saying, what do you think about the win? Are you happy? And that kind of useless questions. Um, but then they, they start mentioning it ever. And uh, when, uh, when Bruno uh, Genesio replied, he First of all, he, he seemed he seemed annoyed, and he seemed to say, "Well, you, you're, you're, I, I am actually learning that that piece of information from you, um, you being the journalist." And uh, Lequipe actually had a whole debate about how Genesio probably wouldn't want ever at the club for one reason or all the other. So there was, there was all these conspiracy theories about saying maybe his Evers ego is too big for such an inexperienced manager for uh, as uh, Genesio, but. It may just it would make so much sense. I mean, uh, it, Lyon are, are a big club there. Um, more often than not, in the Champions League, and uh, Evra would um, it would be a, a nice finish to to his career. I mean, he he would uh, I believe he would play there um, without uh, without too too many questions. Not eternally, obviously, but I think it would be a good move. But um, I don't know. There's, there's these reports that um, maybe. Maybe Genesio doesn't want him, so make of that what you will. Well, I mean, I would say to that, Philip, that I don't know how much mm. power Genesio has. I mean, yeah. let's face it. He's a manager with, I think, no first-team experience before taking over as Leon. He'd been, he'd been with the club for a long time, and he's given his job. I think as he had the uh, non-league experience. It didn't go he, very well. 
Right, he'd been given given the job as, as a result of his having been with Leon for a long time, similar to mm. Remy Gard, Money From Within. Um, and I, I don't think that he's looked at as being the type of manager of the like of, say, a Rudy Garcia, for example, that is going to have a huge say in the transfer policy. He'd be yeah. unhappy, maybe, but I don't think he has what we would say is a veto clause. I mean, for mm. example, you know, would he be necessarily the, the type of manager who would have gone in for, for some of these players he doesn't seem to, to have much time for. I'm thinking particularly of Sergei Dardar. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's a frustrating situation. I know I know Dardar was bought before uh, Tenesio was installed as manager, but I think that the point remains that he's, he doesn't have that sort of uh, power over player movement. Philip, very quickly, if, if he decided to choose Marseille instead, has been reported just earlier today. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, that would be good for Marseille as well, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, uh, um, I didn't hear. I, I honestly didn't hear about that, so I haven't really uh, considered. But it would be it would be good uh, good as well. Yeah, I, I would actually. I would think actually, Eva being being uh, having played for Monaco, maybe it would be. Um, I don't know. More interested in the Marseille project than the Lyon project, or actually playing in playing and living in Marseille than than, uh, than in Lyon. Maybe I. I don't know. I'm just. Uh, but yeah, sure. I mean, it would be for for any league and for any league and club to have uh, to have uh, that kind of uh, of experience. It would be great. Yeah. Yeah, and Crystal Palace have been trying for him, and that seems to have fallen through. I think whoever gets him with experience, with the sheer amount of languages he knows and the experience he's had with players and the relationships he seems to have with some of the younger players, especially, I think he'd be a fantastic move for any of them. Really. <laughs> I think it's that time of his career where Crystal Palace doesn't seem like a good move at all. Where it'll involve a lot of a lot of work and a lot of, well, I don't know, a much more um, different kind of pressures than uh, he would have at Lyon Marseille. But uh, one he could uh, he could handle at Crystal Palace. I just don't see it at all. They're in for Patrick van Aanholt. I'd seen as well. Yeah, I think yeah. Nathan, you've seen that as well. Yeah, I think they're moving. Yeah. They're moving on from that. It looks like as well. And and Marseille have been linked with Ricardo Rodriguez as well. Although that's probably more yeah. of an expensive option if they can <laughs> get that through. So um, we'll move on to the uh, Friday night's game where Nice continued to lose ground, lose ground on top spot after a frustrating one-all draw that was marred with controversy again from the stands at the Furiani. We'll start with matters on the pitch first, at least, though. And, and Eric, uh, Basti did a really good job of nullifying Nice, especially in that first half. Yeah, I, I thought so. I, I thought that they, they played a very combative style, I mean, as they as they're want to do. But I think they had good movement, too. I, I think that, uh, that Aniange, in particular, played a, played a good match, not only because of his goal, but um, he was also able to drop deep and, and really apply pr- pressure on those wide players. Um, for Nice, I think that, that that was really instrumental That because they had decided to go for that 3-5-2 um, in this match. Those wing-backs are so important to the way that Nice play and that uh, that, that, that all-out aggressive attack that Bastia are, are so well-known for uh, really did well to, to, to pinch Nice in wide areas and really limit their effectiveness uh, going forward. Yeah, and and it was a, it was a strange one as well. I thought Onyange was excellent, and Kawasaki's red really should have shifted the tide in in some of these kind of games, Philip. But would Nice maybe a little bit too pedestrian after Bastia had gone down to ten men? Uh, maybe maybe thinking that uh, the game was uh, was was basically well not uh, not won because they were never really um, never quite uh, ahead in that game, but. Uh, yeah, just um, probably probably not pushing pushing high enough because Kozak did get sent off midway through the first half, actually even before the halfway point of the second half, but uh, not too not too many chances. And uh, yeah, it is it is disappointing to see how um, maybe not predictable, but uh, how uh, they they're just not playing as well as as they were in the um, in the first half of the season, despite playing this time three five two. Yeah, and Eric, I, do, I wanted to mention as well that I, I thought this a lot through the game and Malang Saar has had a really good start to the season but has not been excellent since the break and, and particularly in this one he was rather poor, wasn't he? No, absolutely. I, I would I would not hesitate to uh, agree with you there. Uh, I think that, you know, I don't think that it's a matter of him being found out. I think it's just a matter of, you know, a bit of a slump. I mean, he's, you know... Gonna inevitably have dips in his form, and I think it's 
it's a little bit more magnified, particularly playing a system that needs to do this three-five-two. That those those wide, uh, well, wide fullbacks, the fullbacks on, to either side of Dante, their performances are going to be magnified because, uh, given that the the wingbacks push so high up, uh, Sars often left to deal with uh, deal with more more attacks, uh, particularly if Nice are caught are caught caught on the break. And that his role is is therefore that much more magnified, and you know against a team like Bastia who are going to allow Nice to retain possession the way they like to, and then play on the counter, uh, it, it's just that much more dangerous. And I think that particularly against these last few opponents that Nice have had, they are teams that are are willing to be a little bit more scrappy. That's a Lorient, that's a Metz, that's a Bastia uh, to get the result that they want. And it's so in that way the sort of the foibles, if you will of SAR being a bit magnified by um, by these teams that are willing to play in a certain way that unsettles Nice. And he's he's perhaps becoming a little bit more the victim of this than other players would be necessarily um, because of because of the position in which he plays and the system that in which Nice plays. Yeah, and it was it was a strange one. I mean, I, I count I tried to count him at of times he lost possession in that game from just sloppy passes or or a little bit of nonsensical mo- holding on to the ball a little bit too long. And it must have been about seven, eight, or nine times. And that's a little worrying for a player that had started so well, but he is so young. And in playing in a position where where you when you are so young, it can be quite difficult, really. And. Onyange ran rings around him at times. He was pressuring him every moment. I thought he was excellent. And uh, it really put him off the mood. But it, that wasn't really the main talking point, unfortunately, from the... It has been going on for a while, though. Y- yeah. It's it's not new. It's not new. It's this dip in form. And, uh, you know, let's be let's be honest. The guy's a kid, so, you know. Yeah. 18 will... today, yeah. Yeah, mm. so... I'm, I'm, that's why I'm hesitant to completely criticise him. Hopefully, mm. this will be something he bounces back from quickly. That this was the he's I been so. he's been average recently, but this was a, a significant dip in a performance. I think this was the one where it was clearly he might look at himself after that one and think, right, I need to show that I can bounce back from this kind of abject performance. In all honesty, um, but uh, talking about that, that's not really the big talking point coming out of the theory only, and it is. Yet again at Bastia, uh, issues with the crowd, Philip. And is it really that surprising that there's there's problems again? I mean, I could I could say this is a Corsican problem, but uh, it really does seem to hit Bastia more often than than um, Ajaccio or Gazelec. Um Of course, those sides are just not as big as Bastia. I mean, Bastia is the biggest club in in um, on the island, so in uh, in Corsica, um, and. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Maybe they haven't been punished enough in the past um, for doing that kind of stuff. But uh, you just uh, actually could could see it coming. Balotelli being being the new star, um, Bastia fans uh, being notorious for that kind of uh, for that kind of action, for that kind of provocation, um, which I, I think is is um, is more that case. It's more uh, provocation, and uh, Balotelli being the big man that he is not uh, not. Uh, uh, going completely ballistic over it, just being quite professional and criticizing it on on the internet and and generally asking a genuine question and say, is this okay? Is this okay for this to happen? Um, of course, of course, the obvious answer is uh, it's not. So I guess I haven't uh, haven't gone through um, in in all the all the history of uh, of the whole thing, but uh, yeah, Basia do need to to be hit hard. There've been some precedent with. Um, Metz being uh, tough points. I don't think that um, playing a couple of games behind closed doors is going to cut it. I, I do, I do think that uh, getting a minus five point deduction may change uh, some some things. But um, again, it has to be a whole uh, mentality issue, and just this is just not going to be changed in just by a, a sim- simple LFP decision, unfortunately. Yeah, and I did, uh, before I get your thoughts on it, Eric, I, I did have a quick research on the the issues of the past, and uh, just to list a few of them. There was a racist banner in the two thousand seven two thousand and eight season that saw the stadium closed. There was uh, crowd issues in the derby against the Jaxio that saw the stadium closed, and then issues outside of the stadium during that game where they were sat outside waiting for the Marseille fans that com- that caused them to change that will can be banned completely from the stadium. Um, 
And then, then this season, even there was the hitting of Lucas in the opening game of the season. There's been racist chanting in this game before, obviously before the game against Balotelli. Strangely enough, the club has defended itself on both occasions this season with that hit on Lucas. They tried to say it was a mar on them for this incident as well. And like we mentioned in the news, Francois Ciccolini had a swearing match with Balotelli after the game as well. It's just hit after hit after hit, isn't it? It's, they do seem to take the victim card quite often. It, it seems that they, it, that's it, it's not a valuable excuse anymore, is it, Eric? They can't just keep saying, "Well, we're Corsicans; we get picked on." These there's a significant issue here that then needs to be sorted, isn't there? It, there is, and I, I think that I don't know. I've seen a little bit on Twitter that people are saying, "Oh, well, it's no surprise Cicilline's doing this; he's a Corsican." Eh, that's a bit of a cheap shot. I don't think it's necessarily a, a an issue of people in Corsica taking this attitude, but I, I do think it's. It's it's something that's a culture with this club and with and with this team. That's that's frustrating for whatever reason they draw quote unquote the wrong kind of fans. I'm not saying that's all their fans, but there's enough that that make it problematic. And it's a shame because the Furiani is a good atmosphere, and mm. it's it, you know they've they've done well to they've done well to be where they are. Uh, it, it's it's fun to see a match there where on television. I mean, obviously, I haven't been there. It's fun to see see a crowd fired up, but if they're not being fired up in a positive way, it's it's something that gives French football a black eye, and it's it's happened too much. And I, and I I have to say I fully agree with Philip about you know, but well, I think personally a points a points deduction it could it could hit Bastard really hard this season in particular. In general, I think I'd prefer to see a stadium ban because that would hit the owners financially and there'd be more onus on the club to uh, rein this sort of behavior in more directly, be it through stewards or, or ejecting certain fans. But a points deduction might have more of, a, more of a long-term impact in terms of relegating the club. Let's face it, this has you know, not been a great season for Bastia. They've, they've uh, been hit hard with, with injuries and, and uh, some of their loan signs not, and new signs not working out as best they would have hoped. And I think, you know, that relegation were to be tied to this, you would hope it would be the right jumping off point to, to make things better, but I'm not even certain that that would make a difference. Um, this seems like it's a really a, a deep, deep problem. Of course, if you have the points deduction and that means Basia would get relegated, the fans would be even more pissed off and say it's the league's fault, it's not even our fault. So it's, it's basically a no-win, no-win situation. It's a complete because they've been. They, I mean, they've been in the doldrums um, uh, not uh, not too long ago. They were actually in Nacional um, for just one season, one season, I think. I'll I'll, I'll pick this up, and uh, you know, I mean, it, it, it the problem problem still remained, and uh, it it was uh, basically Balotelli coming coming to Basia was basically the chance to to uh, you know say say how um, provocative those uh, those fans those fans are. Again, credit to Balote for not responding, because that was the aim. That was that was very much the aim. Oh, yeah. certainly. And in all honesty, I respect Balote even more that it was shown earlier today that the way he responded to those chants was to stay behind in training and work on his game because he didn't affect the game as as much as he's hoped, and he's not quite at hundred percent fitness at the moment. So, congrats to him. But there needs to be something done. I can't see a stadium closure being enough of a punishment because it's happened before they they're not that bothered about it i think i think a points deduction is the way to go this time um they've had too many issues yes it might relegate them yes that might turn the fans even angrier but something has to be done other other than getting the fines for the management of the club or something like that that maybe then affects them to do something about it at it's such a tough one and a weird balancing act to try and find, but something firm needs to be done this time, I think. Otherwise, not to mention there's a firm dislike uh, of uh, everything that is uh, well uh, French from from Bastia. So uh, this, I mean, I think this goes uh, way way beyond football. Mm. It's just uh, some, something I don't I don't really see. Uh, I don't even even think I can I can actually. Um, uh, appreciate with uh, with that, that kind of um, 
problem because I'm neither a Savannah nor a Corsican, so I don't really. And um, I, I honestly believe you have to have to be from that area. I spent a, a serious amount of time from that area to actually get what the problem is. So I'm afraid I'm <laughs> not <laughs> not being uh, much of an assistance there. Yeah, we all might be at a loss for a while on this one, but we'll we'll yep. move on to Lille, who are the latest club in France to be taken over as Gerard Lopez has been sworn in as their new owner. His new reign didn't start great with a nil-nil draw. It wasn't that exciting, but the Luxembourg man has been targeting a top three finish and competing with the best in Europe as his long-term goals for the club. Uh, Eric, is this is probably what Lille fans want to be hearing, right? And where possibly could this new ownership go? I think top three is is ambitious, but there's a part of me that also thinks it's possible. I mean, Lille have throughout throughout their existence been a great club for bringing through young players, for giving young talent a chance, and for having great scouting networks. If you think about the number of players that have come through Lille in the recent past, Debushi, Kabai. Um, uh, Eden Hazard. I mean, those are those are some examples. Uh, Idrissa Gay. There, you think about if those two, if those, if that quartet of players were still were still with the team, uh, you'd be Gibral Sidibe. You, you'd be looking at a team that would be a legitimate challenger for the league and title. And it so it wouldn't have to be this PSG style or Monaco style splash the cash. If Lopez takes a patient approach. Uh, and brings in young players, allows them to develop, and and doesn't isn't forced to sell as as uh, Sabu has has been with this new stadium arrangement. I think that's what's been driving a lot of it. It's nice to have a new stadium, but unfortunately, the the cost for the club is sometimes prohibitive to the point of affecting the team's competitive ability on the pitch. But I think I think that there's really good seeds there. This isn't buying a club that has a poor history. Uh, in, in the recent past, I mean, Lille have won a title in the last 10 years. They've been in the Champions League in the last 10 years. Uh, they're, they're a club with great potential. I, I think that Lopez has made a good decision. I mean, there, there are a number of other clubs that I, I don't feel feel have potential in the game, but Lille is definitely one of those. And I think it's it's a positive thing, and it can be done in a more organic manner than, than the way that PSG have been approached and the way that Marseille seem to be being approached rather than just splashing cash on a bunch of big-name players, you allow the team to develop, okay, maybe it takes three or four years to, for this to come to fruition, uh, but you play attractive football and bring three young players in the process, and, and you get a team that can be well-supported by the fans, that they feel good, they feel it's not just a bunch of mercenaries, that it's a team that, that, is, that, is, of the, that, it, that is of the area, that is of the, the essence of being, uh, being leal, not just... You know, a, a a big money player in world football. Uh, so I think that I think that there's there's a lot to be said here, a lot of good things to be said here. Mm, and it's it's good to see money coming back into the league as well. And he's being a little bit coy, Philip, over his so-called friend um, Marcelo Bielsa taking over. It's it's rumored mm. that it's probably coming in the summer unless a better opportunity comes up in the meantime. There's been issues with Patrick Colo in the last couple of weeks with the players as well. A couple of little fallings out. Is it maybe hanging over the new, the current managers, well, current interim managers at least, had this this deal for Bielsa? And do you think it's a good move to bring in El Loco to uh, to Ledo? Well, first, um, the um, original question of of, uh, of Serda, I'm saying, hey, why not? Because uh, Monaco, they. Yes, they did have uh, a which oil, oil guy who um, who has uh, has a bit of cash, but uh, a lot has been done in the youth development, and uh, I think Lille have proved that they have experience in this uh, in this department. And uh, also, I mean, Lille have the whole of Belgium at their disposal. I mean, uh, they they did have uh, a period where they had a lot of Belgian players, uh, Belgian youth. Proving to be very, very good players, and uh, if they can just uh, reignite this uh, kind of uh, um, youth development strategy, then it can it can be not that pricey at all for Mr. Mr. Lopez. For Bielsa, yeah, it's uh, it's midterm. 
First of all, we are pretty much sure that uh, Colo should yeah should be staying until uh, on until the end of the season. I mean, news results aren't bad. There has been a bit of uh, rows with the players, but uh, they've lost uh, just um, one in eight, I believe. Yeah, which was at uh, at Marseille. So a difficult side to beat. Don't think they'll go down just like last season. But they're having their their type of season. They they don't change it. They the the atmosphere between the manager who starts the season and the players is not going well at all. Then they change the manager, and then all of a sudden the players start clicking. And uh, Lille are, are one of the most unplayable sides in in the league. We just don't really uh, understand how. Bielsa will uh, do what he do what he always does. I mean, uh, be extremely demanding physically, technically, um, mentally as well. Um, uh, basically, build, building in, and it could work. Honestly, it, you know, it it really really could work. Um, question about uh, the, all these nouveau riches because you've got Lille who now have a rich owner, you've got Marseille who uh, supposedly have a rich owner who uh, doesn't have a great track record, but you know he's got money. Um, uh, the, the question I'm asking you is: uh, Should Lyon fans be worried with all these uh, clubs getting rich and Lyon um, still having Olas? No, no, I I, okay. I don't think so. I I do think that Lille, like as I mentioned. Are have potential to be a, a solid top three side long term. Mm. Mm. Uh, nice, nah, let's not see really. Where this, yeah. Well, I mean, let's see where it goes. They've they've got a lot of uh, they've got a lot to, to sort out. I mean, you know, Dante is what 33, 34. He's not there long term. Pereira's only on loan. Uh, you know, Seri and Play could could be going. Um, they haven't brought anybody in in the winter window, which does sort of worry me. Mm. Um, they have they have shown you know. They had made the right noises, if you will, bringing in players like Remy Walter, Arnaldo Samba, William Cyprian. They have had a focus on bringing in young players, but the other side of that coin is that you've got you're going to have a focus from Monaco, who are doing the same thing, bringing in these young players, allowing them a chance to develop and play. So, I would and I would be less worried though about Marseille. I mean, McCourt has said he wants to invest two hundred million in the club. Okay, now fans of the club will see that and say, oh. Great, he's going to spend two million on players. That'll put us back in the Champions League. But my question is, I'm is that if that's what he means, two hundred million on player sales, that could be enough to get them in, into the Champions League. But for the money that's money being what it is in world football right now, mm. I don't know that he, that's even enough. And if he even <laughs> intends to spend that all on on transfer fees, I mean, think about it. Okay, he's after he's after Dimitri Payet. There's Fifteen percent of your budget gone if you sign Paye. Not to mention wages for these types of players that you're going to bring in. Okay, Rod mm -hmm. Ricardo Rodriguez. There's another example. I don't think Marseille have a chance in hell of getting him, but he'd have similar wages to Paye, and he'd be probably more on the order of forty million because well, he's a why, little bit younger. And why shouldn't why wouldn't have, they have a chance in hell of getting Ricardo Rodriguez? Marseille. Yeah, I mean just. I mean, Wolfsburg are not having a great season. He's not. Uh, I, I don't don't see why. I mean, I, I, is I that think, unrealistic? I think that he's 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 of a level who of of a champions of a club that are in the Champions League year in year out. Okay. Marseille aren't that right now. No. Yeah, at his top, at his very top. I think I'd agree with Eric. I think he's he slumped a little bit in the last season or so. Well, he's also been playing center back this year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. which doesn't help because <laughs> he's definitely not a center back, but a left back, especially on his game, he's he's a very good left back. Well, there's also the question of the manager. I mean, Valerian Ismail has just taken the reign at Wolfsburg, and uh, if if uh, uh, I don't know some guy, uh, some guy like uh, like uh, some club, sorry, uh, like Lille come knocking on the door with Bielsa in, or maybe he'll think uh, maybe twice about uh, about signing or not. I do agree about uh, about uh, your what you said about about Nice. So I I mean it's not it's not a great pull. It's not a great doesn't have a great uh, heritage as a football club and it's completely clouded uh, by uh, Marseille. Doesn't have doesn't have m any money really. Uh, a lot of it has been uh, has been uh, based on youth development. Is it, is it done, uh, terrific well, in? It's not that they don't have any money. I mean, let's face it, the wages that well they do the, have a bit, but compared to Monaco PSG, it's not much. Well, it's it's certainly cut above, say, the other fourteen or thirteen teams in league. Yeah. I mean, that's the difference. That that allows them. That's going to allow them to be 
probably in the top seven year in and year out going forward with that Chinese investment. Um, mm. But it's it's now a much more crowded field. You have the current top three, Leon, Nice, mm. and Monaco, and Lille. And that's that's going to make Liga a stronger league. But, um, mm. you know, there are going to be teams that are going to be disappointed, just like the, the race for the, the top four in England right now. I mean, you're going to have, you know, you have five or six strong teams right now in England, and two of those managers are going to be disappointed coming into the season. And it'll mm. be the same thing in France. You're going to have... Teams who have invested 100 million euro, and and do, who don't get what they want in return. Mm. <laughs> Turning into the Premier League, bloody hell! Let's <laughs> not that. Yeah, <laughs> we'll finish this evening with a a new segment on our podcast that we will be calling "Cine pas possible." Which almost sounds like someone's yeah. It's some, it sounds like someone's New Year's resolution, doesn't it? I think uh, myself and both our panelists will look at a topic that happened this week in Liga that they couldn't quite believe. Uh, Philip, you have chosen a certain incident involving an Italian for Paris Saint Germain. Yes, big surprise. Um, <laughs> it involves PSG. Marco Verratti uh, had the ball a bit before the penalty area. Uh, it had to be before the penalty, otherwise he would have given away a penalty. And uh, you know when you are when the ball is trickling down the goal line, the goalkeeper is nowhere to be seen, defenders are, are nowhere to be seen, and you just have to put a little touch to get the ball over the over the line, and you cheekily put your head uh, and uh, bump the the ball over the line. This is what Virati done, and he did it for back pass to uh, Kevin Trapp, who uh, was not very good actually um, on on Saturday. A uh, couple of couple of passes, but anyway, um, and the referee booked him for it. Oh, I've never seen that before, um, and I've been doing some research, and apparently, apparently, uh, there are some um, theories that say that uh, Monsieur Gauthier, I think it was Gauthier, was it? Anyway, um, said he was uh, he was correct in uh, in booking in booking Verratti. Now it's not it's not really that uh, that big a deal that he booked Verratti. Verratti gets booked every every weekend. Um, a big deal is that uh, he uh, basically did not uh, book him for another challenge, which he actually he won the ball in. But he had high studs, and in uh, any other circumstances, I uh, had he not had a booking for that uh, ridiculous. Uh, action, he would have had a, a booking for for the for the high studs. So it was uh, it basically changed a bit the game because then not were were all, uh, were all like, well, you should have sent Verratti off, and yeah, you probably should have. But yeah, I mean, I've never I've never seen that before. First of all, I've never seen a player do something like that uh, outside the penalty area. Just goes to show how how attacking minded not were as well. And the the referee Jean Amel. Um, he... Amel. Yes, it, it, okay. it was anti-sporting behaviour known in the game mm. as trickery was his reason for the booking. <laughs> Eric, what did Great you think? Trick. Oh, about Verratti? Ah, yes. Yeah, I mean, it, it's... I mean, I, I watched this match live, I saw this happen, and it's 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 trickery. It's Yeah, he deserves it. He's he's trying to be too clever. <laughs> the referee knows mm. the rules, rightly books him. I mean, Verratti... No, I, didn't, I didn't know that. I mean, I've never seen it before, so, but... Yeah, you know, you I, I've, I've learned that life? if you're doing, if you do that, you get a booking. My my guess is Verratti won't be doing that uh, very often. Then, were you watching the match, Philip? Out of curiosity, yeah, yeah. Did the French commentators? Well, what do they say about it? Uh, actually, I was watching on the stream, uh, which was Portuguese, so I didn't understand. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. No, I was watching uh, the the league on world feed, and the commentator. Uh, knew right away. He's, he said, "Okay, that's trickery," and he he even mentioned the specific number. And it's been, it's yeah, well done, to ML. It's you know, it, it's the kind of thing that you know you would be surprised to see a club like PSG get nailed for. But you know, well done. I, I, I'm gonna interject with a disagreement on this one. I think it's, I think it's a joke. In all honesty, I've seen it a number of times in England happen. A number of times, and no one's ever been pulled up on it. Uh, I've done it myself a number of times, just because it's it, you're not told not to do it. it, it trickery, I mean, come on! It's he's not done anything that's harmed the, the play. He's he's used a clever moment of using his head so his goalkeeper can pick it up. It's it's I know, in my opinion, at least it's farcical. It's it's a strange one. Uh, people in England probably think the same. They've probably seen the video and thought. 
Well, I would do the same. It, it happened, that's happened in the Premier League before. I'm, I'm almost certain on it. And that I've never seen anyone booked for that. It's strange one. Strange one. That's why it's so interesting, though. <laughs> but Eric, let's let's talk about your um, possible moment this week, and that's uh, Adam Umas. Yeah, Adam Umas uh, has been set to train on his own by Bordeaux's management. Uh, he left the team. Uh, er, er, he left the team uh, without advising the team after the match on Sunday, uh, after being left on the bench against Toulouse. Uh, and as we mentioned on, on, on Thursday's preview show, uh, he's a player who's on record as saying he admires Sofian Buffal. And I, I kind of wonder that he's not taking that to the extreme. I mean, Buffal's a player who's been petulant and been been a git, for lack of a, be- <laughs> lack of a better word. Uh, and Una seems to be taking that to the extreme, but without having proven it. I mean, Buffal got him to Southampton because he was incredibly talented. Unas is incredibly talented, but he doesn't have the track record that Buffal has and had at his time with Lille and his time with Angers as well as being a you know being a player who can do it consistently on the pitch. And I'm I'm really wondering this this is a player who's been lauded by just about every observer of Ligue 1 as being you know one for the future. He's 20 years old. He's incredibly talented and he's a wonder with the ball at his feet but he's he's going to he's going to blow his chance bordeaux is a good sized club he's being given an opportunity to be in the team uh, under, under gorvanek under a, under a manager who's who's ambitious and has shown he can lead a team to success with even with limited means in the past with gangam and you know i worry that he's going to be one of these be and never was uh, as opposed to a, a success story. And it's a frustrating thing to see happen uh, that a player's on-pitch situation is going to be affected by his, his off-pitch attitude. Uh, I, I don't think there's anything more for me personally to say about it. It's just a, a really disappointing ter- turn of events. I know. I, I, you agree with that, Philip? It's, it's a shame to see someone try and almost waste their talent, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, Buffal is special. Um, I wouldn't go say uh, Unas. Unas is special. Unas is uh, quite quite talented for for his age, but uh, yeah, he shouldn't be doing uh, that kind of uh, that kind of that kind of stuff. It's, uh, it sounds to you that's a bit all too all too common in uh, in Liga uh, with um, you know uh, youngsters um, not really uh, following the rules or being polite and uh, that kind of that kind of thing. Get, getting away with murder basically because they have the talent. Uh, which is, I'm sorry, which uh, is not quite what where, where Unas is at uh, at the moment. I don't think. Yeah, and hats off to Gorbanak for stamping this out early, and hopefully, we all hope at least Adam Unas recovers from it. And I'll I'll finish with my moment of this week, and that's Saint Etienne's win against Angers. And that might seem strange. You might think that Saint Etienne should be winning. No, it's not strange. It was. I can't believe they won this game. I genuinely can't believe it. Angers had all the good chances and were so unlucky with a number of them. They went in front through a, a great header. Um, I can't remember that it was a centre-back, wasn't it, playing up front? What was his name? Pavlovich. Uh, yeah, and it was his first ever goal. <laughs> they played Pavlovich. He was, he was great up front. I mean, he was... Yeah. <laughs> they, they played the big man up front. They they really worked hard, especially in the first half. They were excellent. And Saint-Etienne score a deflected goal from Amuma and it cannons in from a strange angle. It's very lucky. And then... Peran scores a goal that he doesn't know anything about because the defenders tried to clear it. It's hit him. It's hit him in the wrist. So is it a handball? Maybe that should be given as well. And it rebounds off him and goes into the goal. And I'm not sure if um, I'm not sure if they know if they can win that game. I, uh, it was one of those games where I can't believe they won that game. That was so lucky, and it was so. It's almost so Santetien that they couldn't. They struggle to score goals, so the two goals they score is an incredible deflection that goes in and a goal that he knows absolutely nothing about. I don't know what you two thought about it, but I, I, I can't believe they won it. I, um, I, I actually was quite disappointed that they won. I wanted Angers to win because I thought they were more organised and had a better, uh, I don't know, uh, you know, better striker in, in Pavlovic. Um, and uh, also because that makes Saint-Étienne 6, which is far too high for a side that doesn't score any goals. Eric, what did you think? No, I, I agree. I, I think that uh, Saint-Étienne are, are not the sixth best team in, 
in league and week in and week out. And I, I think that it's it's frustrating for Angers to be uh, where they are uh, after the events of the last two weeks. Don't forget their other goal was an own goal. Uh, yeah. And and after last week having the same thing happen haven't happened against Bordeaux, I, the club have to be turning themselves inside out with frustration in the situation. Yeah, Moulin must be tossing and turning at night, wondering how he can turn it around. And it's, I think you you made a great statement to finish there, Philip. That Pavlovic was the best centre attack, centre forward in that game, and that's a startling statement of how Santetien are going forward. But that's all we have for this week. Uh, my thanks to Eric, Philip, and to everyone listening at home. Just before we go, I'd like to point you in the direction of our talking points article that written by our very own Eric Devine and Adam White. That is now also on The Guardian. Do check that out. It's a great read. Uh, remember to join us on, for the preview show hosted by Eric on Thursday. And we will see you here at the same time, same place next week. Abianto and goodbye.